Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. I am presenting a series of broadcasts on Jesus as a prophet, and today's program is a continuation of the previous broadcast. In the previous broadcast, I was explaining some of the prophecies that the Lord gave that have already been fulfilled. I was talking about the prophecy that the temple would eventually be destroyed. I was explaining the prophecy that Jerusalem would be under the control of the Gentiles until a certain time when all things will be fulfilled. And I also spoke about the prophecy that Jesus gave that his words would never pass away. And so in the previous broadcast, I was explaining these simple examples of prophecies that Jesus gave that have definitely been fulfilled. And in the beginning of this program, I would like to finish that up by talking about another prophecy that the Lord Jesus gave that identifies him as a prophet. And what I mean in that context is that Jesus is recognized as someone who proclaimed He gave a prediction about something that would happen in the future, and that has definitely come to pass. And then afterwards, I will be talking about prophecies that Jesus gave that have not yet come to pass, but we certainly do expect that they will come to pass very soon. In Luke chapter 21, verses 20 through 24, uh, the Lord Jesus spoke about something very unique. Again, in Luke chapter 21, beginning in verse 20, He said, But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then recognize that her desolation is near. Then those who are in Judea must flee to the mountains, and those who are in the midst of the city must leave, and those who are in the country must not enter the city, because these are days of vengeance, so that all things which are written will be fulfilled. Woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days, For there will be great distress upon the land and wrath to this people. And they will fall by the edge of the sword and will be led captive into all the nations. And Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. And in the previous broadcast, I was explaining until the end of the Gentiles are fulfilled. And I gave an example of how someone did try to overcome this particular prophecy and failed because the times of the Gentiles have not yet come to an end. But there's an indirect prophecy that is given here, and that is that there is expected to be a time when the times of the Gentiles are over, and at that time we do expect that there will be a temple built in Jerusalem for the Jewish people, that the Jewish people will once again have total absolute control and authority over Jerusalem, that there will come a point where that occurs. Right now, they do not have total and absolute control over Jerusalem. It is somewhat shared amongst various people groups, and there are other countries who do exert influence over 
Israel concerning Jerusalem. However, I do believe that there will be a time when that comes to an end, where the people of Israel, the Jews, will finally have total and absolute control over that region. And at that time, they will be able to rebuild the temple, and there will not be the kind of resistance that they currently experience right now. But inherently within this prophecy, there is a prophecy to say that the Jews will retain their identity until this time. That when this time finally occurs, that there will be Jews who will regain control over Jerusalem, who will assert their authority over Jerusalem. This is a very powerful prophecy to say that this particular people group will exist, will live, will be identified throughout the entire course of history ahead of when Jesus spoke of this, and this certainly has been true for the last 2,000 years, the Jews have actually retained their identity as a people, even though throughout most of this time they have had no country of their own, they have had no place where they can call their home, they have not had authority over any particular region, except in recent times when they have been able to reestablish the nation of Israel that we see today. This is a very powerful prophecy and a very unique prophecy because you have to ask, what would possibly enable this to be realized? What could make this actually happen? You know, when you look throughout church history, for example, there have been many, there has been many groups that have sprouted up and called themselves one name or another that have identified themselves with the unique doctrines, with the unique understandings that they have about the scriptures and about their relationship with Christ Jesus. And there has been some similarities throughout the course of time, but there are names of people, groups that we just don't hear anymore. For example, do you know about the Janseists in France, uh, as an example? We don't hear about those people anymore. And you can think about this from a nationalistic identity as well, not just a religious identity, but from a nationalistic identity or from a people group. Do you know about any Hittites or any Jebusites? Do you see any of those people around anymore? The Jews are unique in this sense that they are people who have survived all the way to this day so that they are available to regain control over Jerusalem when the day finally comes for this prophecy to be fulfilled, this prophecy that the Lord Jesus gives, that in order for it to be realized, the Jews have to be a distinct people. Now, I personally believe that one of the ways that the Lord our God has made this a reality is through the dietary laws. And I have done an extensive study on the dietary laws. I would encourage you to listen to those programs if you have not heard them already that do describe how the Lord managed to isolate the people of Israel from the entire Gentile world. He also used the dietary laws in order to reunite the Jews with the Gentiles to become one in Christ Jesus. But for those who rejected the Lord Jesus as the Messiah, those are people who have retained their identity, and I personally believe that the dietary laws have been the fundamental cause or the fundamental way that the Lord our God managed to keep the Jews distinct from the other people in the world. Uh, But that is uh, another study that I did do, and I would encourage you to listen to that. But for now, I would just like to mention that this definitely is something that is quite unique. However the Lord managed to accomplish it, it is definitely something that is unique. You know, when we consider uh, the country of America, the, the United States... In the past, it was referred to as a melting pot. It was a melting pot in the sense that people came from 
all over the world, from many countries, from many different nationalistic backgrounds, from different religious perspectives and persuasions and beliefs. And they all came here to this country, to the United States, in order to establish a life of freedom for themselves and for their future children. It was a country that was founded on the basis of an ideal based on a philosophy of freedom and liberty, something that has never been seen ever throughout the entire course of the history of humanity. And I personally believe that it will never be seen ever again. That's my my personal opinion, that we will never see again the liberty that the people once had in the country of the America or the United States that this is something that has been completely lost, even at the time that this is being recorded. And I'm recording this in the middle of the United States, in the state of Colorado. I'm doing this recording in 2010. And I personally believe, very sincerely, that it is very unusual to find anyone who has any concept of how this country was founded, why it was founded, and what made it the country that it is, and what made this country so great, that these are things that have been completely lost for a long time, and the liberty that we once experienced here will never again ever be realized anywhere in this world as it was experienced here. That's just my personal opinion. And the main reason why is because it's very unusual to find anybody who has any understanding about how this country was founded and why it was founded and the principles that it was founded upon and the reason why people were prosperous and the reason why freedom and liberty was experienced by people in the past. I think that has been completely forgotten and completely lost. It's very unusual to find anybody who has any concept of that at all, especially those who are in positions of power and authority right now. I know of only a handful of people who are in positions of power and authority who have any concept of liberty and freedom and what made this country great and the people here great and what enabled people to experience the wonderful prosperity that had been experienced for the last 200 years here. But either way, what's very unique about this particular concept is that the Jews never melted in this melting pot. The Jews never melted in the melting pot of America. The Jews have always been a distinct people, a distinct people group within this country. They have always been unique. They have always maintained their identity. And while the philosophy of the Jews, the principles that the Jews live by, are totally compatible with the reasons why this country was originally founded, they never did really integrate fully with the society that was being built. So while their lives were consistent with the principles of freedom and liberty, for the most part, They never did integrate very well. Until recent times, there are many liberal Jews who have forgotten the principles of the living God and the principles of the scriptures, and through forgetting that, they have melted. But there has always been a distinct remnant, to say it that way, a distinct remnant of Jews who have never really melted within the melting pot of America. And so I find that to be quite unique. And of course, because of that, many of them went to Israel and were a part of the founding of the nation of Israel and the nation of Israel has now been built as a distinct people, a distinct people of Jewish people who have established a country for themselves. That that is definitely a prophecy that was given by the Lord Jesus and it has been fulfilled, the prophecy that the Jews would be a distinct people. The realization of that 
will eventually be complete when they do finally regain and reassert total and absolute control over Jerusalem, which I believe will be happening very soon. And so having said all of that, I think it's important to recognize that Jesus was a prophet in the sense that he prophesied many things, and those things have actually come to pass. And so if that is true, then there are other prophecies that he gave that we should also expect to come to pass. We should expect these prophecies to eventually be fulfilled. I mean, if he was right on so many other accounts, he certainly should be right on these other accounts as well. And we should live on the basis of the expectation that these prophecies will eventually come to pass, that our lives should be a reflection of our belief and trust in the Lord Jesus, in him as a person. We should be living on the basis of the reality, on the basis of the reality that he told the truth, and the truth will definitely be realized. Consider, for example, a prophecy that he gave that is yet to be fulfilled, but will be fulfilled very soon. In John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3, Jesus said, Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. He is preparing a place for us, and he's going to come again to take us with him to the place that he is preparing for us. If he's going to prepare a place for you, he eventually is going to allow you to be there. He's not just preparing some place for you that you're never going to be able to be at. That doesn't make any sense at all. He's working on preparing a place for all of his children, all of his people, and he is going to come and he's going to take us out of this earth and he's going to put us into this place that he is preparing for us. This is something that is going to eventually be realized. But the important part of this particular prophecy that he gave that I would really like to focus on right now is the fact that he is going to return. Many of us are going to die before he physically returns. But at some point, he is going to return. And when this happens, this prophecy will be realized. I personally believe that this is something that we should pay attention to, that we should hear this, that we should live on the basis of this reality, and that it should have a direct influence on the way that we live our lives here on this earth. Consider another prophecy in Luke chapter 17. This is Luke chapter 17, verses 26 through 30, where Jesus said, And just as it happened in the days of Noah, so it will be also in the days of the Son of Man when he returns, as he just proclaimed that he did in the previous example that I gave. Continuing in Luke chapter 17, verse 26, And just as it happened in the days of Noah, so it will be also in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating They were drinking, they were marrying, they were being given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. It was the same as happened in the days of Lot. They were eating, they were drinking, they were buying, they were selling, they were planting, they were building. But on the day that Lot went out from Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. 
it will be just the same on the day that the Son of Man is revealed. This says an awful lot about his return, an awful lot about his return, that sure enough, people are going to be absorbed in worldly pursuits, that they are going to be preoccupied with the things of the world. They are going to be eating, they are going to be drinking, they are going to be buying and selling, they are going to be planting for future harvests, they are going to be marrying, they are going to be living their lives as though nothing is about to happen, as though nothing is about to occur, as though Jesus is not going to come and say, you know what, you have been enjoying this world that has been built by me, created by me, within and through me it has been made for the purpose for which I made it. And that day is over. You're done. I'm not going to allow you to enjoy this world that I've created any longer. That when this happens, on the day that this happens, people are going to be living as though it is not about to occur. As though the end is not yet here. That is what it's going to look like. When he finally comes, people are going to be living as though, as if the world will continue forever. That is an important point I believe we should pay attention to as a prophecy that Jesus gave, that when he returns, this will be the circumstance at hand. He also said, if you continue to read in Luke chapter 18, in Luke chapter 18, in verse 8, he says, I tell you that he will bring about justice for them quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Will he find people of faith, and that's true faith, that is the faith in the true God? Will he find anyone who believes in him? Will he find anyone who trusts in him? Well, I personally believe he's going to find some people, but proportionately speaking, there will be very few people who actually have true faith in the true and living God and in the one who he has sent. That will be hard for him to find. This is a prophecy that he gave, that when he returns, he expects that there will be few people of faith. Do not be surprised if you live in a time when there are few people of faith, especially if it's the time when he returns. Don't be surprised by this, that this is going to be fulfilled when he returns. When he returns, people will be consumed with worldly pursuits, that the world will be in such a condition that people will be able to live a life of pursuing worldly things, thinking about future things of what they're going to eat and what they're going to drink and what they're going to buy or what they are going to sell. And few people will have faith in the true and living God when he returns. This is a prophecy that will be fulfilled. And of course, when you consider this as a prophecy that will be fulfilled, it should tell you an awful lot about the various numbers of people The huge numbers of people within the Christian world who are consumed with trying to identify the times, the seasons, the approximate year, perhaps, when Jesus will return, which generally has something to do with not experiencing any pain or suffering in your own personal life uh, before he returns in order to avoid the necessity for you to make changes in your current lifestyle, perhaps. I don't know. People have all kinds of different ideas or motives as to why they may want to believe some of these things. But one thing that I can definitely recognize is that the world is going to be functioning when he comes back, that the world is going to go on in such a way that when he returns, it will be in a condition where people will still have some hope 
that it will continue to the extent where they will be willing to marry and they will be willing to plan for the future in terms of what they are going to plant and what they are going to reap and what they are going to buy or what they are going to sell. But let me give you another example, another prophecy that Jesus gave. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 44, Matthew chapter 24, verse 44, the Lord Jesus said this as well. He said, For this reason you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not think he will. I think it's a very, very powerful statement for him to give, that he's going to come when we don't think he's going to come. That's so simple, and yet there are so many people that I run across who just don't want to believe such a simple statement as that, that that is a prophecy that Jesus gave. He prophesied, he proclaimed, Jesus said, so believe the words of the Lord Jesus, that he's going to come at a time when you don't think he's going to come. So if you think he's going to come at a particular time, I can just about guarantee you that he is not going to come at that time. Because if he did, then he would have arrived at a time when you were expecting him to arrive. That he would arrive at a time when you would be expecting to see him. And that, I believe, would be contrary to the prophecy that he proclaimed in Matthew chapter 24, verse 44. That if he arrives when you expect him to, then that would be in contradiction of his prophecy, and you could use that, or somebody could use that, as evidence to show that Jesus is not a prophet. So let me put it to you this way. If I was to write some book about prophecy and make the claim that Jesus is going to come at a certain time, then an unbeliever could say that if he comes, if that actually happens, if if Aaron Budgen is right in his prophecy concerning, or his expectation, or in his analysis of prophecy, where he expects Jesus to arrive at a certain time, if Jesus actually comes, if Jesus comes when I say that he's going to come, in the remote proximity of a time that I expect, then that is proof that Jesus is not a prophet because he would be coming at a time when I expected him. And so because of that, I try to stay away from prophecies concerning his arrival and when he might arrive because I don't want to be in a situation where I would violate Matthew chapter 24, verse 44. Another prophecy that's very similar to this is given in Luke chapter 21, verse 35. In Luke chapter 21, verse 35, actually, let me turn to verse 34, Luke chapter 21, verse 34, where Jesus said, Be on guard so that your hearts will not be weighted down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of life, and that day will not come on you suddenly like a trap, for it will come upon all those who dwell on the face of all the earth. But keep on alert at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are about to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. In verse 25, for it will come upon all those who dwell on the face of all the earth. And so it will not just happen when we do not expect it to occur, but it also will not happen when others expect it to occur. And so I would say that he has definitely described all people in the entire earth throughout the entire course of history that no one has any idea when he's going to be coming back. And so if anybody claims that they know and he does arrive, then that would definitely be in contradiction of the prophecy that he gave. And I believe that he will work this out very well to ensure 
that his integrity as a prophet will be retained. In addition to the timing of his return, he also gives us some more insights concerning what the situation will be like when he does return, that he does give us a prophecy concerning what the world will look like when he returns. This is in Luke chapter 21, verses 25 through 28. In Luke chapter 21, beginning in verse 25, Jesus says that there will be signs in sun and moon and stars and on the earth, dismay among nations, in perplexity at the roaring of the sea and the waves, men fainting from fear and the expectation of the things which are coming upon the world, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken." Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. But when these things begin to take place, straighten up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. I believe that the way he describes this, especially in verse 25 and 26, is that there is going to be a lot of confusion and upheaval in politics, in business, in national and international relationships. Again, I believe the prophecy is to say that there will be confusion and upheaval in politics, business, national, and international relationships. Now, in the midst of these things, that doesn't mean that the Lord is still not going to allow people to function as they are functioning. They're going to be eating and drinking and planning ahead, marrying. Those kinds of things will be happening. However, this will be a condition of the world And I believe that it will be so distinct that people will say that Jesus prophesied about this and his prophecy came to pass. I sincerely believe that that will eventually be realized. And so having said all of this, what should we conclude concerning Jesus as a prophet? Well, we should conclude that he did say things would come to pass and those things did come to pass. There are other things that he said would come to pass, and they have not yet come to pass. But we should anticipate that they will actually happen, that these prophecies that have not yet been fulfilled will eventually be fulfilled. First of all, that he will return. Second of all, that people will be consumed with worldly pursuits. Few will have faith on the earth. He will also come at a time when we do not expect him to come And he will come at a time when nobody else expects him to come. And he will come at a time when there will be confusion in the world, in the midst of people continually living their lives. There will still be confusion and upheaval on a political, business, national, and international scale. That those will be the circumstances of his return. And I will continue in the next broadcast. You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 383-53, Colorado Springs, Colorado. 80937 or use the donation link on our website livinggodministries.net that is livinggodministries.net thank you